0: Your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM on a Friday with you to be lacrosse political science professor Anthony Trugoski, comma PhD. Happy Friday, Rick. <laughs> um. Okay, so right off the bat, I just I. I don't want to talk about the Evers-Michaels debate, which happens at 6 or 7. Yeah, I think like 6. And I don't want to do it because the conversation, unless you want to do it like we did yesterday and talk about how we do debates better. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really important topic. Has Hayes reached out to you if you're going to come on Monday and and kind of break down? Do you know this yet? Uh, No. no. Okay. Because then I would say, like, stay tuned Monday for reaction. 'Cause this is like you know, we and we could talk about the Barnes Johnson debate from sure. last night. Sure. And just why you, know, you should not have an audience at
1: and no, we disagree on this, Rick, but I don't think you should have a live audience at the debate.
0: And okay, so and you, you clued me in on this a little bit. The candidates bring in their own audiences, right? Exactly. This isn't a okay, that's interesting. And do they only get us do it okay, if there's five if there's let's that's five hundred audience spaces like right. tickets available does ron get 250 tickets and mandela get 250 you know, tickets
1: i'm not exactly sure how it worked but the moderators at the ron johnson mandela barnes debate were really struggling to control the crowd and the crowd was like hooting and hollering and booing and cheering during the debate it just distracts from what the heck the candidates are trying to say
0: i love it <laughs> I, I mean any more of it
1: yeah i mean look well Do you want the debate style last Friday that Barnes and Johnson had where it was Brad Williams along with five other panelists asking questions and no audience? Mm -hmm. Or yesterday's debate where there were two journalists from, I think, WTMJ in Milwaukee and the live audience?
0: Okay, so as a mo- as the moderator next week debates, yes, right? we've as got
1: a- two debates next week. Steve Doyle and Ryan Hipsch, and Jill Billings and Chris Woodard, the two area state assembly seats.
0: I came up with this idea. I floated to Havlicek as a moderator when the because I don't two last week Ron Johnson and and Mandela Barnes get would get off topic. Yes, well, let's ask about abortion, and then they would go. I always make this example; it's not exactly right, but then we would rail about Kenosha riots or something like that, and be right? Like, and the moderator would have to, at the end, be like, they would give them an extra. Okay, but you know, you want to answer the question. <laughs> what if instead of that, you got okay? So the Packers, you have the, the you have a cheese head, right? But you also have the brick cheese. You know what I mean? Like sure. not not an actual brick of cheese. Although some people would be like, no, we should use an actual. But the foam brick of cheese, like, uh, what kind of cheese is it? It's yellow, but it's got holes in it. So is it yeah. Swiss yellow cheese? I guess yeah, I've never thought about it. like that. Um, if they get it off topic, you cut their mic and you get to throw a brick of cheese <laughs> at them. I love it. I love it, Rick. I mean, that's what I did like about the debate last
1: Friday was if the candidates went off topic, and believe me, they did, because the they have their talking points, they have their messaging that they want to get across. So, of course, they went off topic. Of course, they didn't answer the questions. And it's great for the moderator to press them on that. I thought that was one of the things that went really well in the, in the debate last Friday.
0: It was funny, too, the way they answered some of the questions after they went off on their own tangent. And it was like, well, do you support Roe versus Wade? And then the answer was, a bit like... Yeah, of course they do. Like, let's yeah. move on. Why are you even asking this question? Sure. Which is kind of funny. And I'm sorry to rip on Brad a little bit, but when you ask about, you know, codifying Roe v. Wade or something like that, Mandela's Barnes's answer is literally going to be two seconds. Yes, to go back to the way it was. And Ron Johnson can make his answer two seconds, but then he pretends to have other ideas. That the state legislature, we can get into this in a in a minute. The state legislature had an opportunity. I think we talked about it a little bit. We kind of overpass it um to to debate whether or not they wanted to do what was governor Tony Evers idea and what was pretended to be Ron Johnson's idea until it came to press him on that and then he backed off yeah ron johnson has
1: this really interesting idea about abortion where he th- he says that the voters should weigh in on this issue where we should have a ballot question to determine the law regarding abortion in Wisconsin, but there's a couple things that I'm curious about when it comes to Ron Johnson's proposal. First of all, why do that for abortion and not any other issue?
0: Wait, so, did he say not any other issue though? You know, to be
1: fair, said this is a one-time, single issue.
0: Okay, well, then that's stupid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think if someone likes Ron Johnson's idea, what I would ask is, well, why this issue and not other issues? Why should voters not be able to weigh in directly on issues more generally? And the other thing that came up with Ron Johnson is that it can't happen under the state constitution currently, So you would have to change the state constitution. You would have to make adjustments to the way government works in Wisconsin to allow for voters to directly weigh in on the issue of abortion. So there's all these issues that make it kind of that just make me kind of wonder about this thing. Like, how would it work? Why this issue, not other issues? Uh, Honestly, I think there's something to be said, Rick, for having voters weigh in on these issues. But there's just more I want to know about how this might work.
0: Well, and that's what I want to know is, is Ron Johnson or was Ron Johnson cheating on his homework? Was he taking the answer from Governor Evers? Because Governor Evers floated this idea a couple of weeks ago yeah. and said, hey, special session in a couple of weeks. Here's the idea a constitutional change uh, where voters get to, to put stuff on a, a binding referendum and voters get get a say in how the government passes laws. Ron Johnson cheating on work there because then all of a sudden Ron Johnson has that idea.
1: Yeah, you know, it's. A really interesting debate among us political science nerds, Rick, direct democracy, voters weighing in directly on what the laws should be. I mean, normally in the United States, we just elect our representatives and they do the business of making decisions on public policy. But direct democracy means voters directly voting on policies and laws. It's a really interesting issue. Should voters have the power to do that? And if so, when? In Wisconsin, we don't really have much of that at all at the state level. We do have that at the local level. Perfect example being the school district of La Crosse referendum to build a new high school. But at the state level, voters really don't have much power to make state law in the way that is the case in other states. And I think there's something to be said for giving voters that power. The ability to weigh in on what the law should be at the state level. Lots of other states have that ability for voters. We don't in Wisconsin. And I think it'd probably be healthy for us to consider having that availability for voters.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. And then you watch and then you look at how the school referendum question got on the ballot. Right. Which I kind of forget now. Well, it
1: was a vote by the school board to put it on the ballot. Okay, but the school it was board just it was decided. the result of kind of this. Process this drawn out process I guess, of trying to figure out where the public right. stands on this issue,
0: whether or not we want to waste the money, putting it on the ballot, waste the money, waste people's time because it maybe gets voted down Uh county board. Now I think about it, it's all coming clear. Now, county boards was putting referendums on the ballot was talking about it. It costs like $5,000 to put a referendum on the ballot, not a binding referendum, but advisory, one, would go, one would go hello, legislature over here. We want yep. to pass the thing. Look at her. Look at we're voting for this and, and whether or not it passed, you know, uh, marijuana a couple of years ago, we passed it over every, every, County that put it on a referendum, passed overwhelmingly, but it didn't do anything because it's not binding. All right. We got to take a break. I want to come back. When to come back, I think Brad's going to do this in the news or me. I don't know who's doing the news. Um, but uh, the Johnson Barnes, speaking of Ron Johnson stealing answers, I want to get to that when we come back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608 785 Seven nine one four is the talk and text line. UW-Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Chergowski sitting in here with me a week away from a couple of debates. Yeah. With assembly reps here in the area, the uh, 94th and 5th, 95th and 6th. I yeah, something like
1: that. I yeah. think 94th and 95th, I'm pretty sure, but I actually...
0: The great lacrosse and the greater lacrosse area. Exactly. That's what I like exactly. to say. Um, okay, so... You also you, you spent the last two hours listening to school district talk too, right? Like yeah, that was fun. Yeah, huh?
1: we had Aaron Engel at the oh. UW La Crosse campus yesterday to talk in great detail about the proposal for the referendum. He met with students who are education majors, and he also met with the broader UWL community and the general public. And I think what came across is just the complexity of this issue. It's not an easy issue at all because there are real pros and cons, and I think what Aaron Engel really laid out to the audience was just how dramatically the demographics of lacrosse have changed, how there are way fewer kids than before, and how the population of Lacrosse is not growing, and the way that school funding works in this state that has real consequences for how the School District of La Crosse is funded. And so Aaron Engel's point was that, look, as a school district, they can't expect additional state funding. They are not going to anticipate an increase in state funding. So they have to cope with that reality. And it's just the brutal budget numbers, the brutal budget reality that has, in his view, brought him to this situation of this proposal.
0: It'd be interesting if the legislature uh, gaveled into session right now and decided to distribute about four. So we have 4. a four point three. Is it a hard number now, or is this it's still a, an estimate? It's a,
1: it's a. It is a hard number as of June thirtieth. The state government of Wisconsin had a four point
0: three budget surplus. Okay, but that doesn't. That leaves out July, August, September, and half of October. Yeah, yeah. So, so it could it could, could balloon be more. to five, be right? Because in January it was around three. And then a couple of months later, I think in March, I think it was predicted to be about five. And now we've come to kind of a middle point. But in the middle point, we actually add some months. That
1: was quite a statement from Department of Administration Secretary Kathy Blumenfeld. She said, the state of Wisconsin is in the best financial shape we've ever been in. In addition to the $4.3 billion budget surplus that was recorded at the end of June, there is also almost $2 billion in the state rainy day fund. So the budget numbers just look really, really good for Wisconsin right now. You can imagine that whoever wins the race for governor is going to have big ideas about what they want to do with that budget surplus. So it's definitely part of the politics of this election for governor.
0: Well, how big, how different do you think governor Tony Evers ideas would be if he, if he wins because he's already proposed, I believe three plans over the last 10 months 10 months, Governor Evers has said, hey, let's do something with our billions of dollars of budget surplus. And the state legislature every time said, Meh, we don't want to. So I, I feel like his plan would would kind of stay the same. Maybe it would, I guess he would have to appease the legislature a little bit more. But yeah. like at this point, he's trying. Is he trying to appease the legislature so they do something with it? Or is he trying to not appease the legislature so he can point to look Look what I want to do, in the legislature very, in, in other words, playing politics.
1: I think so, Rick. You know what? What you what we get with Tony Evers and a Republican legislature is a hybrid Republican Evers budget. They kind of meet somewhere in the middle because they know that they got to play ball. Well, that's with the, each budget. Other. This that's the be, budget. This would be the budget.
0: This would be like surplus. The, oh, the budget surplus. The budget surplus and the budget are different though, right? They are.
1: They are. And one
0: thought because Steve Doyle, I'm, I'm with me earlier and uh state rep Steve Doyle. Yeah. He said, and he might have said this off air on air, it's not really a big deal, but he said we we could go into session right now He's right. and do it. And, or he said if it if it's quote unquote playing politics, we could go into session November 9th, the day after the election, and do a lame duck session and decide as well. He's absolutely correct about that.
1: And I think that's what's driving a lot of frustration right now is that The state of Wisconsin is in this incredibly good financial shape and the money's just sitting there. And the question for the public is, well, what's going to happen with this extra money, this surplus money? We don't know at this point because everyone's waiting for the election. And the election results are going to play into what happens with the surplus. But it's just this waiting game going on right now. It's really frustrating, I can imagine, for the public. Well,
0: 10 months we've been waiting. We've been waiting
1: for a really long time to figure out what's going to happen with the
0: surplus. And I'm in Minnesota, and you're from Minnesota. I think your parents live there, right? Yep. The budget surplus in Minnesota is like $9 million. Yeah, and they did do something with it, yeah. They gave a little bit. I guess. I guess they gave like, I want to say it was like five or seven hundred dollar checks to frontline workers, exactly. Which didn't include me because I work in Wisconsin. Duh. So frontline workers, quote unquote. Unless you well, work in an afternoon another state. radio
1: show host is a frontline worker. Well, it
0: would have been a frontline <laughs> worker if I had the show on the other side of the Mississippi Duh, River. Then darn. I would have got a nice fat five seven hundred dollar check, whatever it was. Um, It is, you know, like and but that was just like a portion of this 10 billion dollar budget that Minnesota has. And Minnesota is a split legislature and they can't figure it out. So I guess I can't I can't rip on. Wisconsin too bad because but Minnesota's in the, because Minnesota's in the same position I guess all the states you know new governor is on the docket here potentially yeah I think the Democrats are just in a stronger political
1: position in Minnesota there is that divided control of the state legislature but the Democratic Party is much stronger in Minnesota the Republican Party in Wisconsin is known to play hardball and that's exactly what they're doing in the legislature they've been playing this waiting game with the budget surplus because they want to see how this election is going to turn out And so that's led to this delay, delay, delay when it comes to what's going to happen with the surplus.
0: It's, it's like to point out four years ago, we had a budget surplus and the Republican governor and the Republican legislature sent out literal hundred dollar checks to parents for every kid that they had that was 18 and under. So we did something with the budget. I mean, just here you go. Red flag, everybody. The When it's the re- Republican and a Republican, we're going to give money, literally checks to citizens right in August, right before an election. And we and we and we were mad about it, right? like I was on here being like, this is buying an election, so. Now it's the flip and we're not doing anything because we don't want to quote unquote buy the election. It's what always happens around election time, Rick. The other side accuses
1: their opponents of playing politics. And that's exactly what happened four years ago with Scott Walker. It's what happens right now with Evers versus the Republicans in the legislature. They're just accusing each other of playing politics. And, you know, what what is clear to me is that there's no consistency in politics when it comes to what is fair game around election time. If you have the power to pass a law that is going to benefit you in the election, you better bet a political party is going to do that. But if they may not benefit from passing a law, if the other party may benefit from passing a law around election time, then the other party is going to scream bloody murder and say, hey, they're playing politics.
0: What is... "Quote unquote" around election time, though, because with this budget yeah. surplus, with three billion, three billion, not a little bit of money in January, and Evers brought a plan. By G- we forget that by the like, if Evers gave us one hundred fifty dollar checks, gave c- citizens one hundred fifty dollar checks, which I think was part of the proposal, it was back in January. Nobody goes, man, remember when Evers gave me a $150 check? I guess I'll vote for him. Nope, that's not how this works. It's so stupid. How stupid do do they think we
1: are? It's the perception of campaign politics among Wisconsin politicians. In Wisconsin, the campaign never ends. That's just the kind of state we are. The parties are always duking it out, and the campaign-style atmosphere never, ever ends. I mean, Rick, I was just checking my email. I just got an email campaigning from a— just from a candidate, and I'm cracking up because it's unbelievable. I got a email from a candidate for Wisconsin Supreme Court. That election is in spring of 2023.
0: Billion dollars, it's going to cost a billion dollars that election.
1: We have not had the 2022 elections, and the emails are already coming out for campaign 23.
0: Uh, libertarian guys got a couple of takes. So I'm sorry, these are going to be all the things that we covered. He's right on top of everything we're talking about. So. First off, debate last night, Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes, the crowd was into it. I liked it because yeah. it just gave like it was funny and when I
1: get it. I get it. It just adds the entertainment value. It's
0: funny when when your candidate that you like gets cheers or when your sure. candidate that you don't like literally gets booed. Sure. And uh, but libertarian guy, Tchaikovsky is right. Spelled your name worse than Mike Hayes here. <laughs> Mike Hayes always butchers <laughs> my name. Having an audience, especially handpicked for each candidate, turns the debates into a circus, wasted time, a popularity contest. All right.
1: Thank you, libertarian guy.
0: All right. So on the school referendum, we were talking about Aaron Engel being at UWL, uh, pro- uh, pitching his proposal because he wants a new school. Exactly. Uh, Aaron Engel's goal with meeting yesterday was to motivate college students to vote in favor of the referendum, even though they have no skin in the game. In other words, manipulation. Well,
1: that's not necessarily true because the property taxes that are baked into the rent that they pay. And, you know, I did press Aaron Engel on that issue, though, in fairness to libertarian guy. I did press him on that issue. And Aaron Engel said, look, we want lacrosse to be a place where you want to live after you've graduated from college. We want this to be a place where you settle down, raise a family, have kids that go to our
0: schools. If I'm at UW Lacrosse, could I actually get a degree in a in a field that would take me to lacrosse's high school to work? Absolutely. Right? Like you could be a teacher. So I mean it's not out of the question that, oh man, I'm graduating as a teacher. And what it's going to be like four years down the road before the school is built, but like, like if I'm a freshman now, oh, we're going to build a brand new high school. That's incentive to stay in town and go work for that high school, believe it or not. That's the kind of pitch that
1: Aaron Engel was making to the students. And honestly, to, in fairness to libertarian guy, I think it's a great question to raise. What stake do these college students have in this issue? Aaron Engel kind of pitched it as a quality of life thing. Like this is going to draw people to the region. It's going to make lacrosse students want to stay in the region long term. And he may be right about that. He may be wrong about that. But it was an interesting argument that he made to try to pitch this plan to the college students in attendance.
0: Yeah, these college students, they graduate, they're going to be teachers, they're going to go work in the lacrosse school district, and they're going to live in Onalaska and Cashton and uh-huh. Bangor and uh-huh. over the uh-huh. Mississippi and La Crescent because the taxes are like five, seven grand a month. Yeah,
1: I mean, it is a desperate struggle among school districts right now to attract and retain teachers. That's something that Aaron Engel really emphasized to my education majors yesterday, that there is enormous competition between districts for school teachers in a way that there wasn't 20, 30 years ago. He talked about how 20, 30 years ago, you'd have a fifth grade teacher Listing an opening for a fifth-grade teacher, there'd be 300 applicants. Now he said there's maybe 10 applicants. They still end up with quality teachers, but the job market in education has just changed radically. And so that makes it critical that we have quality education graduates from UWL who stay in the area and do a great job in our local schools.
0: I'll take the controversial stance of we should pay teachers more.
1: Oh. (laughs)
0: a Friday song. Nah. It's a little... I thought it was going to be better. Oh, some Friday news, Rick. News Dump Friday? Friday News Dump.
1: Former President Barack Obama coming to Milwaukee October 29th to support Tony Evers and Mandela Barnes ahead of midterms.
0: This one's better. That's better. I mean, is there anyone past government official... I mean, it's kind of a stupid question because it's the president, but... In terms of De- like, who? What better Democrat could come? Oh, My, like Miley? No, not Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Uh, I was trying to think of the the other. I'm trying to think of. She's probably Taylor a Democrat. Swift. Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, Taylor do you remember Swift. Remember the story of the years ago? Taylor Swift got political for a minute. I do remember and then that. Like 200,000 people registered the yep. vote in ten. I think it was in Tennessee. Yep. So, I don't know. Like who? Like we have a vote campaign in lacrosse. It's just to go register Johnny to Davis. vote. Johnny and Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis. The uh, you know the guys that one's in the NBA of all things, and one is playing for the Wisconsin Badgers. So the top of the the you know this field. Um, Barack Obama, obviously, that's huge. But who would be a better like? I, I just I, I can't and th- nobody in politics. Right. That's Barack Obama is the best Democrat you could. You have. know,
1: there could be some celebrities like Taylor Swift. But in terms of former or current elected officials, absolutely. Obama is the most desired get, you could say. And, on Trump, the campaign and Trump on
0: the other side. Yeah, right? I
1: mean, you know, what's interesting, Rick, is that this news about Obama campaigning in Milwaukee for Evers and Barnes is going to raise the question of Donald Trump. Will Donald Trump make an appearance in Wisconsin to campaign for Tim Michaels and Ron Johnson to compete with this Obama appearance?
0: I mean, what, what else are these guys doing, Obama and Trump? Why don't they just go to every assembly and Senate district?
1: Yeah, you know, I think they just enjoy—I mean, I, I, Obama has had kind of a low profile during his post-presidency period, unlike Donald Trump. Unlike Donald Trump, Donald Trump has been a very high-profile post-president, and that has been unusual— Donald Trump's role within the Republican Party. In fact, Rick, there was word in the New York Times today that when Tim Michaels said that he would accept the results of the election, well, someone in Mar-a-Lago wasn't happy Uh with that opinion. Or Tim Michaels said something where he kind of like affirmed the results of the 2020 election. Whatever the case might when, be. When did he do that?
0: Before or after the primary? It
1: was before the primary. Oddly enough, right? Yeah. So Tim Michaels said something or another about the uh, election that got a certain former president in Mar-a-Lago's attention. And You then,
0: know what? You know what Trump did? He threw a cheese brick at the TV. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is an
0: actual cheese brick, not not the full one.
1: What the word is that a call came to the Evers camp uh, to the Michaels campaign from Mar-a-Lago. And after that call came, Tim Michaels took a different tune on the election, started saying, well, maybe the election in 2020 was stolen. Look at that. Mules movie or whatever it's called, like where seven
0: mules, <laughs> seven
1: mules or whatever it's called. Yeah. So he started promoting that movie. But it just shows you Donald Trump's power within the Republican Party. And you can bet that there's going to be a lot of rumblings right now in Wisconsin politics about a potential Trump rally ahead of the election to support Ron Johnson and Tim Michaels.
0: I brought this up yesterday and have in the past do in the Senate race. We had the debate between Ron Johnson and Mandela Barnes. Mm-hmm. Is anybody like man? I don't know who to vote for. That those guys, just that one. I don't. Those guys seem so opposite that that somebody in the middle. W- there isn't. I, I get that. There's probably a couple of people, but I'm thinking it's like a hundred who isn't decided in this. Like the debate is too little, too late. Rick, the
1: campaign for the Senate has been ridiculously negative. I mean, even by today's standards, where we're used to negative campaigning. The Wisconsin Senate campaign is just over the top negative, and I think it's really turning voters off. But I mean, it has caused also voters to dig in on their respective sides. I think it's made voters both frustrated. But you're and avoiding motivated. the question:
0: Is anybody not decided? Oh, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> uh,
1: virtually everyone has decided. But, you, you know, Rick. The question is: Is there a moment from these debates that will break through beyond the political junkies like you? To the average
0: audience member, to
1: the okay. average That's member right. of the public, I
0: floated this idea to you two bricks ago, and I forgot about yes. it. And no, we were talking about it before the show with Brett. Um, okay, so like, I I think that maybe Ron Johnson had this moment, mm-hmm. and it was last night. It was the last question. It's what's your take on the what do you admire most about your opponent? Question because I, I think question, it's worthless.
1: I don't love the question, but it's a pretty standard one in political debates. So this wouldn't. Okay, so in one world, this wouldn't throw off candidates. No. Be like, "Whoa, I got to say something nice." No, and you would be ready for. You should be prepared for that question
0: as a candidate. In another world, this question is kind of funny because these two guys don't see eye to eye on uh, like, on anything. Nothing. They're polar opposites on yeah. just about everything in the world. But that all the more reason to anticipate this question coming. Exactly. Okay, so in my in my head, I think I think one of these candidates. If this race is, is 50-50 at this point and we need something to tip it, I think maybe one of the candidates tipped it. And, okay, so they the, the moderators asked uh, Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson, what do you admire most about each other? And Mandela Barnes had to go first. So he had the tougher position here. He had to go first. So here's the, the whole answer from both the candidates Here's the, after the question was asked. I'll turn that up. Well, no, no. Seriously, I, I do think you know the senator has proven to be a family man, and I think that's that's admirable. Uh, you know, that's absolutely to be respected. He, he speaks about his family. He's uh, done a lot to provide for them. I absolutely respect that, Mr. Johnson. I mean, likewise, I appreciate the fact that uh, Lieutenant Governor Barnes had loving parents, a school teacher, father worked third shift, so he had you know good upbringing. I guess what puzzles me about that is, with that upbringing, why is he turned against America? I mean, what, why why does he find the right. founding of America awful? Right. Somehow it, we it puzzles we me. did not. I all right, said, Please, we said something so admirable. something, Admiral. So I, I cut her off there. Uh, sorry, lady. Um, all right, so if there's if there's one thing like you really like, you got the like the, the viral clip from the debate. You you got what we would call the softball question. Yep. We lob it into you. All you all know this question's coming because this this race is so divisive. You absolutely anticipate that we're gonna do the say something nice question, even though it's stupid. It's gonna happen. And then Ron Johnson had to go. No, I'm an a hole. I'm still gonna be a jerk about it. Like that's if if we're at 50 Like, dude, all you have to do is not be a jerk right there, and then you still had to be. Yeah, a couple things about that, Rick. So. The answer
1: that you always give as a candidate is the family. They have a great family.
0: And, and let's just do this real quick. I, I want to like, cause, cause Mandela like trips out. Oh crap. I got to do the, <laughs> he trips out of the box and to, you know, and he, he gets his footing and I, he was every, a
1: little flustered, but you can bet his campaign. I prepared him. I for mean,
0: this. 50 times a show. So uh, like 50 times five, right? Like I do this a hundred. What, what is that? I can't do the math right now. Um, but, I I trip over myself. I just did right there. I trip over myself all the time. So, but the idea that Mandela trips is kind of funny right here. Well, no, no, seriously. I I do think, you know, the Senate,
1: you know, the, the audience laughed because in a campaign that has been so negative,
0: the question just seemed so absurd almost. And then he's like, well, no, 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 seriously. Like, well, you didn't say the answer yet. Like he, he added the no, no, seriously to the beginning of his answer, yep. when he, you would go, "No, I like uh, Ron Johnson's a family man." No, no, seriously, that's how he wants to do it. Because in his head, he already has that answer. He's got he's the prepared answer for that. Yep. And then in his head, he's like, "This is a <laughs> like I don't think this at all." Maybe he thinks he's a family man, but he like, "Oh, I have to say something nice." No, no, seriously.
1: Yep. You can kind of hear it in Mandela Barnes, like, "Oh, it's a dumb question, but my campaign has prepared me for it, and I always say what." Politicians should always say in this situation that the other guy has a great family.
0: Does uh, Ron Johnson have a campaign team that goes, you know what you should do? Answer the question and then say he hates America.
1: No, you can bet that that is just Ron Johnson. That is how Ron Johnson frequently talks. He is, you know. Ron Johnson's strengths are also his weaknesses.
0: He's off the cuff sometimes.
1: Yeah. You know, um, that makes Ron Johnson popular. It makes him unpopular. Ron Johnson is very interesting to me as a political scientist because what makes Ron Johnson popular also makes him unpopular. Well, I
0: wouldn't even say unpopular is probably like his team or Republicans probably pull their hair out when he yep. says something and his answers then become unpopular. And therefore make him unpopular. You're right in a way, but I just sure, like got a sure. little deeper into it. No,
1: I I get what you're saying, Rick. I mean, no, no,
0: no. Seriously, you said
1: no, 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 no. Seriously,
0: <laughs> Rick, what's your favorite thing about me? <laughs> that you that you take all the brunt off me on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very honest answer. Also, should the candidates have two answers? Like, do the fa- you got to have the family one queued up, and then family you, one, and then if you go second because you know the first guy's going family. You gotta you gotta have another I don't know what the is do you have as a political scientist, do you have what's the second answer? No, in this? the family the family's the go to option what would, for that. What question. Would, well, let's break okay, well let's take a break. We're gonna brainstorm <laughs> if you got if you got an idea of what the second thing. If I gotta say something nice about somebody I I I quote unquote hate. I don't know if they hate each other, but in politics they do. Uh first you go family, then what? Texters, 608-785-7914. seven eight five seven <laughs> nine one four. We'll brainstorm for a minute here. All right. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. We asked uh, what if if you don't ask, what is your what is the best thing about your opponent? Yeah, and it can't be family. What would be so? Because family is the go to answer, right? Okay, so you had. what was yours? You they made the sacrifice of running for office. Yeah, you praise them for for you know that would be a great. Back, it has to be backhanded compliment. Yeah, because Ron Johnson kind of did that. He went, yeah. but he stole Mandela's answer because they only prepared for one answer. Like they both yep. had to go family, both ready for family. And that's what I said. Like yep. earlier in the show, I talked about Ron Johnson cheating. He cheats on Governor Evers. He's cheat. He cheats off Governor Evers by using his uh, constitutional referent binding referendum thing for. Uh, abortion uh straight up by governor evers the legislature ignored um but also he cheats off mandela barnes by using the same answer he's a great family man like oh really like mandela be like all right well how many people are you know how many brothers and sisters do i have or something it'd be funny (laughs) if you start the the moderators come back with all kinds of family questions oh yeah what do you think but but both of them did i I believe even ron said his, his dad and he knew his mom and dad yeah uh, history yeah. and mandela did as well yeah ron
1: johnson said wow his parents were so great he had this great upbringing makes you wonder why he hates america so much
0: right. <laughs> so so it's got i think it's got to be in and, and ron john that might lose him the race i don't i think it's, uh,
1: it's certainly the viral clip from the debate it's the one that's circulating the most on social
0: media yeah it's like uh oh you you can't even be nice you you, you guys have to you have to be an a-hole even in that regard but it it does it does bring up like what could you say like yeah Mandela's a great looking guy he's got a giant head <laughs> <laughs> like something or or you know I see Mandela pull up he's driving in a nice you know fan, like if Mandela had like a Corvette or something he's got a so great got a, ride he's got a sweet car it's a it must be a ninety thousand dollar Corvette you know and then yeah he must have used some of that campaign money to buy a Corvette to drive around like you really like you really could be a jerk about it yeah yeah. Um, but like you said, uh, sincere about running, um, you, you can't say. I, I just said in general, you could be. Hey, he's pretty. He's a good-looking guy. Like Ron Johnson could have said that because he can't say family. You're you're cheating. You could
1: talk about like his energy maybe. Like he brings a lot of energy to the campaign trail.
0: Sarge texted in. Mandela Barnes makes a really good peanut butter sandwich. <laughs>
1: i love that sarge, <laughs> just, sarge nailed that yeah just, that should have been ron johnson's we were, answer we were
0: in the we were before before the debate we we're in the little cafeteria area and i watched mandela barnes make the greatest you know maybe mandela never
1: you should have seen him spread that peanut butter it was the most evenly spread peanut butter i've ever seen
0: uh and then kevin did ask uh do you do you think the more well-spoken candidate would have the advantage uh yeah, that seems obvious to me the Ron Johnson can be off the cuff and Ron Johnson can trip on himself a little bit by being less. I think Ron Johnson's a little bit less well-spoken because sure. right? because I think he's going off the cuff a little bit. That's more.
1: right, Rick. So Mandela Barnes has come across as very polished. He has clearly prepared for these debates. Ron Johnson's strength and his weakness is that he often speaks off the cuff. That makes him come across as more authentic to his supporters. It can also cause him to make gaffes that go viral. So his off-the-cuff style is both a strength and a weakness. Well, Angela Barnes a- clearly was quite well prepared and quite well rehearsed.
0: And Ronald trip over himself a little he bit. Will, like, yeah. well, we watched Joe well, Biden I trip mean, over himself all the time, right? Like, see
1: the Tony Evers Tim Michaels debate, right? Oh. About. Tripping over themselves. Yeah,
0: we'll see how that goes today. Yeah, the, in general, though, um you know, not to to dive into the Tim Michaels Evers debate because it's we're it's going to be useless conversation. But in general, Tony Evers is a very like low energy. And then how do you how do you think in 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 comparison? What what is your take on Tim Mike? Because I haven't seen him debate. I haven't seen a lot of this. But like, what do you think? The energy level of the, the comparison here is weird, right? They're kind of opposites or not? Sure.
1: I think Tim Michael's strength and his
0: weakness is that he doesn't get into a lot of specifics
1: during debates. It means that he can give vague answers that come across well to the audience, but it also means that he's open to criticism for not offering specifics.
0: Isn't that the Republican Party in general? Well,
1: like- you know, Rick, I mean, even if you look at the Republican debates, there were times when Tim Michael's offered answers that his campaign then had to clarify and in the Republican primary Rebecca Clayfish clearly had the advantage in the debate format after all Rebecca Clayfish came to her career success in media she worked in TV that's how she became prominent and well-known in the public eye So Rebecca Clayfish clearly had the edge in the format, but as we can see, it's not a decisive thing at all who does the best in debates, because Rebecca Clayfish clearly was well-suited for the debate format. Of course, Tim Michaels ended up winning the Republican nomination.
0: Minute, minute and a half here. Uh, Obviously, next week we have the State Assembly debates. We're not going to have a third congressional debate. We're not going to have a town hall. Nope. How unprecedented is that, and how surprised are you? So
1: we have had debates in this congressional district for years and years and years. This is going to be the first time in a long time that we have since not, like the 90s, since the 90s. I mean, it's going to be the first time in a very long time that we have not had a debate in this congressional district. We have not been able to arrange a debate between Brad path and Derek Van Orden. No media outlet that I'm aware of has been able to arrange a debate between Brad path and Derek Van Orden. What it means, Rick is that the paid advertisements are going to figure heavily In the outcome of the campaign, the paid advertisements are going to greatly shape voters' perceptions of these two candidates.
0: All right, I asked Eric Van Orden to come on next week or the week after. I gave him the open invitation. We'll see. Uh, Thanks, Jurgowski. We'll uh, have a good weekend, everybody.